Thank you for joining us on the latest episode of the NACF Podcast, featuring Pastor Nida M. Parson, Ph.D., as we continue in the series, How to Get the Victory. Today's episode is about fixing it, correcting those bad behaviors. Coming up. Talk about correction. Fix it. Don't excuse it. Don't ignore it. Don't deny the problem exists. Fix it. Don't let it beat you. Don't let it win. Don't give up and don't give in. Somebody say, fix it. Don't be so proud and arrogant. If the change is not working, if the change isn't holding, if you're still slipping, let's pinpoint the problem and fix it. Chapter 12, verses 11 through 17. It'll be there for you on the screen in the New International Version. Let's read together. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, He was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Our topic this afternoon is fix it. Tell somebody, fix it. Talking about correction. Fix it. Don't excuse it. Don't ignore it. Don't deny the problem exists. Fix it. Don't let it beat you. Don't let it win. Don't give up and don't give in. Somebody say, fix it. Don't be so proud and arrogant. If the change is not working, if the change isn't holding, if you're still slipping, let's pinpoint the problem and fix it. Somebody say, fix it. The failure is not in God. The failure is not in the word of God. So if you're still in a struggle to do what's right, then something is wrong. If you're still in a struggle to do what's right, then something is wrong. We have to identify what is hindering your progress and fix it. You need a fix. Tell your neighbor you need a fix. You need a fix. One thing you can say about an addict is that they know when they need a fix. You be trying to feed them, you trying to do other stuff. It's like, I don't need a sandwich. I need a fix. I don't need a counseling session. 
I need a fix. I don't need a hug right now. I need a fix. I don't need one of y'all encouraging scriptures. I need a fix because something in them is not working right. And if they can get that drug into their system, they think that that's going to fix what's going on with them. Well, I came by to tell you this afternoon, you need a fix. Not a fake one or a temporary one like the addict does, but you need to realize that this destructive behavior, the addiction, that bad habit, that problematic emotion, that sin in your life needs to be fixed. I don't know about you, but I don't need a hug. I need a fix. I don't need a pat on the back. I need a fix. I don't need another inspirational message that just makes me feel better about the failure that I'm in. I need a real fix. I don't need a placebo. I don't need a distraction. I don't need a new friend to feel sorry for me. I need a fix. Tell your neighbor again, you need a fix. So after you've experienced our first three stages, our first three steps to victory, which is conviction, conversion, and connection, If there's still a problem, you need a fix. So let me tell you how to get to victory. You must perceive that it's possible. You got to plan like it's plausible and play like it's probable. That was our first message. Then our second message was you need a conviction. Conviction is that deep cut to the heart, that gut-riching feeling of regret. And our topic was you know you're wrong for that. The Holy Spirit does this convicting in response to an anointed word from God. And for some of you, your conviction came uh, after you had an experience that let you know God wasn't playing with you. Some of y'all didn't realize you was wrong until you had that experience and you realized, you know, God is not playing with me. Now, when you have a conviction, conviction leads to true repentance, which will lead you to our second stage, which is conversion. Conversion uh, is something that the Holy Spirit does also. Conversion is a supernatural internal change in your mind, in your soul, and in your spirit. And once you've been changed on the inside by the power of God, you get to the point where, let's see if y'all remember, I don't like it, I don't need it, I don't want it, I've been changed. But to keep the change... You need to stay connected because you still have to deal with this flesh until the day you die. You still have to deal with that old you until the day you die. So our next one was connection. And our topic was watch out flesh. I've got connections. Our connection was with the power of the Holy Spirit. So in order to stay changed, you have to maintain your connection with the power of God. So how many do did your homework? How many of you did more praise and worship this week? And praise and worship was yours. How many of you did more prayer and some fasting over the last week? I got more people did their homework at this church. Thank God. How many of you did more word? I did more word this week than I had been doing. How many of you did more fellowship? You hung around the saints a little bit more or got into ministry, did some ministry this week. That's how you have to figure out how do I connect? How do I best access the power of God in my life and keep that connection? So when you have all of that, you got conviction, conversion, and connection. Everything should be fine at this point. But often we find ourselves still in the struggle. From time to time, it don't make sense. 
I've been changed. I don't want to do this. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. It don't make sense. What am I still doing wrong? Well, if you're still doing wrong, it's because there's still something you're not doing right. So our next step then is correction. Correction. And that's where we rest today. Correction. There's, if, if you're still doing wrong, there's something underlying that we haven't discovered yet. It could be a door that this behavior of this feeling, emotion keeps coming in. It could be from your ear, ear gate, something you're hearing, your eye gate, something that you're seeing, your feeling gate, something that you're feeling. A back door you had no idea was even open and available and something rolled up on you through the back door or, or a window that's open in your life and you didn't realize that you had a window open where something kept coming in. Or maybe your window had been shut, but it wasn't shut tight. And so these kinds of things are, are trauma or a childhood experience, a philosophy that you have, a way that you live your life, a defense. Some things are a defense mechanism. And some of you, it's a secret anger with God. You're really angry with God. And that's the door this thing keeps coming into. Some of you, it's a demonic presence that hasn't been cast out. Or they keep slipping back in through one of those openings, one of those windows, one of those doors. But if you keep slipping into wrong, there's something that's not right. So fix it. Now, to those of you who say, well, we're always going to sin. You're probably right. But the Bible says... That God is able to keep me from falling. So if you kind of want to rest in yours, I think I'll rest on this scripture, Rev. He said that he was able to keep me from falling. And if you're like me, if you're dealing with a habit that is about to kill you, if you're dealing with an emotion that is ripping the happiness and the peace and the joy out of your life, or if you're dealing with a destructive behavior that's just about to destroy you, it's about to destroy your marriage, it's about to destroy your ministry, it's about to destroy your children, do you guys recognize that all this stuff that you go through is also destroying your children, it's about to destroy your health, or something that is destroying your finances, then I suggest that you listen to this word from God today instead of listening to them folk that want you to be okay having sin in your life. Because you can live better than this. You can live better than this. God is giving you the opportunity to fix it. Somebody say fix it talking about correction. Now, now, what's ideal is for you to correct it yourself. So in our text, the scripture says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We don't like discipline. It's a four-letter word to us. We don't like discipline. It, discipline is, is doing right whether you feel like it or not. Join us. This Thursday, 112819, for a Thanksgiving Day worship service, where we come to give thanks to the Lord for how good he's been to us all year. That'll be a New Antioch Christian Fellowship Aliante at, starting at 10 a.m. That's 2550 Nature Park Drive, Suite 100, North Las Vegas, Nevada, 89084. This one is not eating it just because it's in your face and you happen to be hungry at the time. 
Discipline is saying no to something that everything in your body says it wants. Discipline. We don't, we don't like discipline. It, it's not pleasant at the time. It can be downright painful. Then the scripture says, but later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who've been trained by it. If you would just train yourself by discipline, it'll bring righteousness. It'll bring peace. So then it says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. You strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. It says, you make level paths for your feet. You do it so that the lame might not be disabled. You don't have to let that lame thing in your life disable you. If you would make level paths for your feet, you could be healed. It said, you make every effort, every effort. You make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy because if we was raised on this scripture because without holiness nobody is going to see the Lord then it says see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God see to it that you hold this thing together see to it that no bitterness grows up in you get those emotions out of control see to it so you don't cause trouble and and mess up everybody else it says you see to it that there's no sexual immoral behavior you see to it that there's no godless behavior and so if you you have the part that you have to do it might mean counseling it might be taking a time of fasting and prayer and fasting and prayer and fasting and prayer can. It may mean you going to treatment. It may mean a physical or some medical intervention. It might mean you need to go to rehab or you might need a program. It might mean sitting up under your church leadership. All of y'all that don't want us in your business. You, it, it might, if you really want to fix this, it might mean staying up under your church leadership. It might mean that you got to roll by this church every day. It might mean changing all your playmates, your playgrounds, and your playthings. Doing that extreme Christian stuff. Y'all know that extreme Christian stuff that you ain't never felt was necessary. All that Christian stuff just ain't all that necessary. Well, how bad do you want to change? How bad do you want this victory? If you want it, then fix it. So if you're not totally free By conviction, conversion, and connection, you most likely need some correction. So here's some some places that you can start. Y'all ready? Here you go. You have to correct the behavior that supports the habit. Those of you that are dealing with habits, you got to correct the behavior that supports the habit. Sometimes you get rid of an issue, but you don't get rid of the behaviors that you have developed that supported the issue. What you mean, Pastor? Here you go. Say if you were a drinker, you created behaviors like going to the bar after work, drinking with the friends that drank, buying beer for the weekend so you could relax and drink beer all weekend, and then you bought the hard liquor for all the special occasions. But now you're changed. Now you don't drink anymore. But you still go to the bar with your friends. You're drinking something different, but you still go in the bar with your friends. You still sit around relaxing all weekend. You still buy the hard stuff in preparation for the special occasion coming up. You buying it for the rest of them, but you bought it because you always bought it. 
You don't drink no more. You don't want it, but, but you still buying the hearts of it. And there's no problem because you're changed. You can sit up there and, and, and drink your Shirley Temple while they're doing that. You're changed. But eventually, you had that one bad day. That day you missed your prayer time. And sometimes you didn't miss your prayer time. You just still had one of them days. And you're relaxing on the weekend because relaxing on the weekend is what you did. And as you're relaxing on the weekend, you remember you got that hard liquor that you're holding for the Christmas party. And there you go. You didn't correct the behavior that supported the habit. So maybe you can't go to the bar with the friends no more. Maybe you can't sit around all weekend. You need to get out the house and go do something all weekend. Maybe you can't be the one who buys a hard liquor for the Christmas party. Somebody say, fix it. So maybe your issue is finances. Say your issue is finances and the habit is overspending. So you're in the habit of overspending. Well, the behavior that supports that habit is that you don't plan. You just swipe if there's money left on the card. And God said, this is not so much the folks with little income. He said, the biggest sinners in this arena are those who have money. That's how he said it. Sinners are those who have money. Because, see, we think we are right because all our bills are paid. But you are wrong. You are not being stewards over what God has given you. If you're spending money without plan, if you're overspending, you are absolutely wrong. You are not being the good steward that God has told you to be. You need to assign your money to be that. Let me say that different. You need to assign God's money. You need to put God's money on assignment. You need to line that thing up. This is for him. This is for seed. This is for savings. This is for bills. This is for travel. This is for emergency. This is for giving. This is for helping. This is for wealth. You don't give your helping money out of your giving money. You don't spend your emergency money on your travel money. If your kids call for some help that they need, you got this plan. This is how much I have. You're not taking out your emergency fund to give your kids something because they mismanage their money. You don't take your bill money and help your mama out with it. You don't take your God money and go on vacation with it. But because you don't plan your money, we're going to start talking to you all about planned giving as well. You feel because you don't plan your money, uh, you, then, then when it comes to, to uh, the, the overspending, that not planning is supporting that habit. So even though you're convicted and you change your behavior, you stop overspending because you don't plan. That habit of overspending, here come Christmas. 
and you're back in the habit again because the behavior of having no plan supported your overspending. And because you didn't change the behavior, now here comes overspending again. So say it's marriage and family. Your habit at home is being argumentative, having a negative mouth, fussing, saying rude things, putting folk down. The environment of your home is not loving, it's not peaceful, and it's not encouraging. So that means it's not like Christ. Because some of y'all are harder to please than Jesus is. You're harder to please than Jesus. Jesus not that hard to please. And so you come, you hear a word, and you're convicted, and you're converted, and you're changed. And so for a while, you're doing good. You're not fussing at home, but, but then you slip back into it. So you check your connection. Let me get connection. Let me get back in worship. Let me get back in prayer. And you're doing good, and you're back in worship, worship and prayer, and, and it works for a while. But you never change the behavior that supported that habit. Well, what behavior supports that habit? Wearing yourself out during the day and not resting at night. So wearing yourself out during the day and not resting at night is, is, is the, the burnout. So now you're burned out. So now you're irritated. So now you're tired. And when you're tired, it's hard not to revert back to what's easy because it was easier to just blast everybody out. It was easy to just release your stress by telling people off. But if you correct the behavior and stop wearing yourself out all day, you wouldn't be so stressed in the first place. If you put some margins in your day, you wouldn't have to be so mean by the time you got home. Maybe it's your health that's your issue. As I say, the habit then is eating at night. The behavior that supports the habit is watching TV all night. Watching TV all night feeds your flesh until now your flesh is stronger than your spirit. And then you got another behavior that supports that eating all night. The other behavior is having the food in the house. So at least I can say, Liv, I'm too lazy to get up and go get it in the middle of the night. But if it's in the house, I know you bought it for the other people, but, but you might have to correct that behavior. Don't even have it in the, don't even have it in the house. Turn the TV off at a certain time or turn something spiritual on. Do something different at night so that you're not so full of the flesh at night. And then, uh, uh, don't have the food in the house where the kids need it. Let the kids eat healthy like you. You buying the food? Everybody eating fruit today. So you have to correct the behaviors that support the habit. Because that's how the enemy gets in because you haven't changed those behaviors. Somebody holler, fix it. Now, what if the problem is an emotion? You correct the thought that supports the emotion. You got to correct the thought that supports the emotion. So say anger is your problem emotion. So what are the thoughts that go and support anger? No one is ever going to mistreat me again. You have to make people respect you. I will not be a doormat for nobody. I ain't no punk up in here. I ain't no easy win. And let me park here. Let me park here. Be 
Because many of our thoughts have been taught to us by family. And if you want to maintain your change, especially your emotional change, if you want to maintain your change, you might have to accept that mama Nim was wrong. Yeah, I'm messing with your mama. You may have to accept that mama and them were wrong. If what you were taught was contrary to the word of God, you have to exchange your thoughts. How do I know? Because God said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. For your ways are not my ways, neither are your thoughts my thoughts, said God. As high as the heaven is from the earth, that's how high my ways are above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. All of that stuff, all that stuff that you learn from the neighborhood, all that stuff you learn from the family, it might have been good street wisdom, but this is the kingdom, not the streets. That might have been good wisdom in the hood. That might have been good wisdom around your family. But this is the kingdom. This not the streets. And this stuff is not true in the kingdom. Somebody say fix it. So some of the other thoughts that lead to anger come from your trauma. It comes from the things you've been through. It comes from abuse. And you won't get rid of the anger until you get rid of the thoughts. Now that might take therapy. That definitely is going to take forgiveness. That's going to take a renewing of your mind, but fix it. We're talking about correction today. Say the emotion is depression. God has completely set you free from depression. He really has. But you still think like a depressed person. You're negative about yourself. Thinking you're not good enough. The glass is always half empty. You see the wrong in everything. You can't even take a compliment. You don't know how to feel good about yourself. You don't know how to feel good about your life. Ask me how I know. And so the depression eventually comes back because you haven't changed the thoughts that supported the emotion. Maybe your emotion you need to get rid of is anxiety. Well, same thing. It's hard to stay free from anxiety if you still need to be in control. It's hard to stay free from anxiety if you need to be in control. Having these thoughts, what are those thoughts? No one can do this like me. I'm the go-to person. I have to fix it. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Something bad is gonna happen if I don't come to the, to the rescue. And what it really is, is a lack of trust in God. And you know what God said it is? It's arrogance to think that you're the only answer. It's your arrogance to think that you're the only answer. Mamas, it's your arrogance that makes you think you're the only answer for your kids. That if, well, if you don't do it, it just can't be done. How did you get to where you think that you're the only answer God got for your kids? Daddies, because you think you're the only answer for the family. If it's going to be, it got to come through me. I got to do this. I got, you ain't the only answer for the family. That's arrogant. What you might really be afraid of is that 
You scared you're going to be irrelevant and unnecessary. You scared that if everybody doesn't need you, maybe they wouldn't want you at all. So you have put all of this anxiety on yourself because of the way that you're thinking. You got to correct the thoughts that support that emotion. And then you got to correct the lifestyle that supports the sin if sin is the issue. You got to correct the lifestyle that supports the sin. Being a Christian is a relationship and a lifestyle. So you have to realize that when you let go of sin, that you had also developed a lifestyle that supported the sin in your life. So you got to correct some things in your lifestyle. So as God was giving me this, I said, well, God, what is the difference between a behavior and a lifestyle? Because it sounds like you're still talking about changing behavior. I said, what's the difference between a behavior and a lifestyle? He said, it's the difference between what you do versus how you live. It's the difference between what you do and how you live. Say, say you were a pig who lives in the mud. Now you've been changed into a lion. But you still have an animal, animal nature, so you're capable of slipping and falling into the mud. But now that you're a lion, you can't live in it. See, when you were a pig, you could live in it. But now that you're a lion, I might slip in it, but I, I, I can't live in it. I, I, I can't live in it anymore. When, when you've truly uh, been changed, uh, see, the mud represents your old lifestyle. And when you've truly been changed, you can't live comfortably in your old lifestyle. I can't wallow in this. I can't lay in it. I can't turn over in it. But if you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't correct your old lifestyle, pretty soon it'll feel like you've never been changed to a lion at all. This is the problem. With weight loss surgery, I don't have no problem with weight loss surgery. Do what you got to do. But, you know, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, 90% of the people gain all that weight back because they temporarily change a behavior, but they don't change their lifestyle. And after a while, as you slip back into the old lifestyle, that stomach stretched right back out. You can, you can eat what you used to eat, and you find other ways to, to eat stuff. And most of those people plump right back up because that, that surgery is a tool, but you are not going to lose weight and stay healthy unless you change your lifestyle. It's the same thing with people that have multiple marriages. You have multiple marriages. You married again, but you didn't change your lifestyle. You did the same thing in this marriage that you did in the last marriage. If you'd have changed your lifestyle, you might have been able to stay married to the first one. Change partners, but you didn't change your lifestyle. So what sin is a sexual sin? Let's talk about sexual sin. What is the lifestyle that supported your sin in your sexual sin? Was it the movies that you were watching? Was it the secrecy? Nobody even know where you live. <laughs> Was it the secrecy? Was it the pictures that you have? And are they still in your phone? Was it the places that you go? Do you still have condoms? Bro man? Yeah, it got quiet in here. 
You're not married. What you need a condom for? Why are you still carrying condoms? That was your lifestyle. Ladies, you ain't married. Why you still got condoms in your purse? Why are you on birth control? What you on birth control for? You ain't, you ain't married. You're not a married woman trying not to have 15 kids back to back. What, what you need birth control for? Yeah, I know that lie about you regulating your cycle. What difference do it make what time it comes? That's your, that was your lifestyle. I know why you still got the condoms. I know why you still on birth control, just in case. Which means that you have not changed your lifestyle. Somebody say, fix it. What you got lingerie for? You're not married. What you need lingerie for? It's in my hope chest. Mm-hmm. You hoping <laughs> up on next week. But I'm all right. I'm all right if it's in your hope chest. But you just start dating this guy for two weeks. Why are you wearing it under, under your clothes on this date? What you need, what you need that underwear for? Ain't nobody going to see it. Matter of fact, just so you don't get no ideas, go on, if you're not married, go and get rid of the lingerie. I'll buy you some more when you get married. We're going to give you a nice bridal shower, and we'll buy you some more when you get married. You got to correct your lifestyle, your toys that you have, the way you talk, those clothes. Why do your clothes have to have all your breasts out and everything so tight? What you still wearing all that tight, tight, tight sexual clothes for? What you, for what? That was your lifestyle. If you're coming out, and we believe that, that, that uh, if you're not married, you're not supposed to. The Bible says you're not married, you're not supposed to have, be having sex with anybody. So even on the, other, on the other road, the guys that are still have those clothes that attract other men, why are you still dressed like that, dude? The girls that are keeping all, why you still got all your boy clothes that you used to use to attract women? You got to correct your lifestyle. That flirtation. It's just how I am. I'm just flirting. Mm. That's the lifestyle that's supporting your sin. Why is the number still in your phone? You ain't, you ain't sleeping with them. You're not married. It's somebody you used to sleep with that you're not married to. Why is their phone number still in your phone? Clean it up. Fix it. What I'm trying to tell you is that even though you've been changed and transformed, if you don't change your lifestyle, then you'll be back in the mud again. 
until you get comfortable there. Okay, I'm going to leave y'all alone. Uh, if your sin is addictive, if it's your addictive sin, then it might be in what you buy, in where you go, in the friends that you keep. How you do vacations. Y'all that lose all your religion on vacation. How you do your holidays. How you relax on the weekend. The jokes that you tell. Have you changed your lifestyle? This Christian life is not an event or an experience. It's a relationship and a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of fasting. It's a lifestyle of sacrifice. It's a lifestyle of obedience. It's a lifestyle that's not about you and about what you want. It's a lifestyle of living to give God glory. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship and a lifestyle. It gives. How can I please the Lord? How can I please? the Lord. That's it and that's all. That's your new lifestyle. How can I please the Lord? My heart is to worship. My will is to serve you. My hope is to please you and my aim is to bring glory to your name. That's it. That's all. That's my lifestyle. Correction. You have to correct the behaviors that support that habit. You have to correct the thoughts that support that emotion. You have to correct the lifestyle that supports the sin. And yes, it can be hard. It can be so ingrained in you. Because sin has really created a pathway in your brain. You've done it so often that your brain is automatically going to go there. That's why you have to have a renewing of your mind. And so when it's so ingrained in you, you might need God to fix it for you. The ideal, I told you earlier, the ideal thing is for you to fix it. But if you're serious about victory, Lord, fix me. Lord, fix me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother, not my brother, not my sister, not my dad. It ain't them people at the job. It's me. In the need of prayer. See, the first part of Hebrew 12 that I didn't read is about God fixing it himself. Hebrews 12, around verse 5, the second part of verse 5, it says, My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone that he accepts as his son. God will do it himself. He said, and if I have to do it, endure hardship as discipline. Because God is treating you as his children. In other words, man up, woman up, take your whooping. He said, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everybody undergoes discipline, he said, then you're not legitimate. You're illegitimate. You're not true sons and daughters if I can't whoop you. I used to tell him, I don't keep kids I can't whoop. In a nonviolent way. It says, the Bible says, moreover, we've had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. So how much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? The Bible says they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And if you're serious about this victory, if you're serious about change, then say, Lord, fix me. In the book, I don't know how to stop where, where this information is coming from. You can still order it, order on Amazon. I don't know how to stop. 
just uh, Google uh, search my name. But in the book, it talks about a breaking. And if you've never been broken by God, <laughs> when you've been broken, you're in God's hand and nobody can help you. Anybody been there? Well, God, he, he shakes up your whole entire world. But when he does that, he's treating you as his child. It's painful, but it's effective. And then there's chastising. He'll let, when he chastises you, he'll let that thing you're chasing beat you up so bad, you won't touch that thing again. That thing you've been chasing, that thing you've been going after, he'll let you have it. All right, this is your whooping. I'm going to let you have it. And that thing will wear you out so much, you don't want it, you don't see it, you don't want to hear it, you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to go near it, you don't want nobody to say nothing about it, child. But he'd rather just transform you. He'd rather convict you, convert you, stay connected to you, point out the things that need to be corrected. And help you to correct them through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. That's how he'd rather do it. But he can do it himself. Either way, he won't leave you like this. He can't leave you like this. He can't leave you on this road to self-destruction. Either way, he won't leave you like this. So, Lord, fix me. Fix me. Oh, fix me. Oh, fix me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the NACF Podcast. We're looking forward to seeing you in worship service. We have service at our central location, which is at 610 Bell Rose, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89107 at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Then we have service at our Aliante campus. That's at 2550 Nature Park Drive, Suite 100, 89084 at 12.30 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. For more information, visit newantioch.org or visit newantiochaliante.org.